Welcome to the Heal Podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama Five, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Welcome back to the Heal Podcast. This is Mimi. Today, we have Dr. Kent Holtorf. He's an MD and medical director of the Holtorf Medical Group in California. Lyme and associated diseases have been the focus of the Holtorf Medical Group and have been a passion of Dr. Holdorf for over 15 years. He is also a chronic Lyme warrior as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Holtorf, for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And I am so excited to talk to you after meeting you at Right at Lyme and all the great things that you're doing for the Lyme community. And so I'm really excited to hear about your practice and everything that you're doing for the Lyme community. Well, thank you so much. It's really an honor and a pleasure to be on and all the things you're doing, you know, instead of you've gotten better and learned a lot, but you're out there helping people. And so many people are going through this and they're all just treated like crap and told it's in their head. Doctors tell them that, then they start doubting it because it tends to be people have empathy for about two to four weeks and they start going, well, why don't you just exercise? You know, you look fine. And it's they're tough or if the spouse isn't on board, it's a tough illness. And when I had it in bed bound and heart failure, it wasn't worth living, you know? And I just feel so bad for so many people and they don't know where to go. And they go to their doctor and says, oh, there's no Lyme in California. It's not it. It's psychological. All their friends and family, they've lost. They're, you know, it's horrible. And like, you can't explain how bad you feel. They're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I've been sick before. Like, you know, and like, no, you don't get it. It's horrible. And they're like, well, why don't you just work a little bit? Like, I'm going to kill you. You know? Yeah. Go ahead and get some fresh air. Go for a walk. Oh, You'll feel better. It's like, yeah. So, and even people who are very empathetic, there's just something about it. Like, you know, you linger. And then I think also once you get better, it's kind of, I think, a defense mechanism evolutionarily that you forget how bad you feel, you know? Right. And you know, what's interesting about that, that you said is that when you forget, it's like today I can feel great. And I could wake up tomorrow morning and feel badly, or even you could feel really great in the morning. And then by the afternoon, you're in bed in tears crying. And you're like, how did that like unfold so fast? And people be like, well, I saw you this morning. You look so great. You can't plan anything and you cancel everything. And I think guys, I don't want to be sexist, but in general, there's always except you know, guys are like, are you coming? No. Okay. Who cares? Like, you know, we maybe cancel something like, oh, what do you hate me? You never come, you know. And you lose your friends and they're mm-hmm. talking behind your back and it's tough. And then you add not sleeping and anxiety on top of feeling horrible. It's, again, no one can describe how horrible it is. It is. And there's no really solution. And that's the problem. And that's why I'm excited to talk to you today because you had chronic Lyme and you got better. And I think that's why you've decided to help people. You know, I'm not religious. I'm kind of an atheist, I guess, I said, God, but I said, I will sacrifice everything, you know, just get me better. You will. I'd rather be homeless and feel good than, you know, we, and we go through the day and we always want, oh, I should have got a Ray or got a parking ticket or that guy looked at me weird. Like, dude, that's nothing. 
you should be so grateful. But as soon as you get better, you're kind of like back to yourself, right? Like, yes. uh, complaining, like I can't complain, but I will. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's human nature, you know? Yep. What did you ultimately, you think got you better? Yeah, well, just like quick, my story was, I got what I think is the most common mode of transmission is in utero. And I know my whole family had it. My mom just was a sweating machine. Dad had chronic fatigue syndrome before it was ever known. My brothers have addiction problems, which I think is Babesia. Like I had one side of my body would sweat. One pupil was always bigger than the other. My left arm would stop working for a week. You know, I couldn't find anything. And then as I went through school, I could function, but really tired, but could never sleep. I don't remember, you know, ever. And I'd always have nightmares, not even nightmares, night terrors. Like someone was always trying to skin me alive, you know. It was like I could function. And then going through medical school, I'm like, something's wrong. So I went to the, the university doctors and they're like, oh, you're depressed, you're stressed. I'm like, I'm not depressed. And they're like, oh, it's very common, you know, antidepressant. Like, I don't need an antidepressant. Like, and it's getting worse. It got to the point where, and you can't explain this to a doctor. Like, it's so mentally fatiguing to talk to a patient that I can't do this. And so I'm like, what do I do? I went into anesthesia because they're asleep. I don't have to talk to them. And then I started, and it's ingrained. Do not, alternative conferences mean no evidence. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. But then I'm like, I got to do something. So I went to these so-called alternative conferences. I'm like, holy crap, these are more evidence-based than what they're teaching us in residency. And then I started, so, uh, did a lot of high T3 hormones, some antiviral, immune modulation. I'm like, I feel pretty damn good. And so I'm like, I got to get out of anesthesia. But then I'm like, should I just get out of medicine? And then I started a beer company. And then uh, had a hangover free beer and then the Bureau of Vodka, the back of firearms said, can't do that. But anyway, so I was practicing medicine during the day and then basically turned into just treating. So I got better. I was treating you know, more of the chronic fatigue syndrome. This was kind of before Lyme, even right beginning chronic fatigue syndrome. There was an entrepreneur who had fibromyalgia, went to all the experts around the country. No one could help him. He came in within two visits. He's like normal. So He's like, oh my gosh, we got to bring this around the country, allow other people to have access. So we started, ended up with 23 centers, fire fatigue centers around the country. And I was doing the whole medical side and training all the doctors and blah, blah, blah. And then we got investors, which I was naive. Like, that sounds good. Turns out like we're in a board meeting and I'm like, that will never work. They're like, like, you're a doctor. I'm a I'm a Harvard MBA. I'm like, oh God. So long story short, I go, I'm out of here. Your direction you're going is is terrible. They just, it's not just a business. We're talking sick patients and you, you know, have a connection. And then they end up firing the two people I started it with. But he actually got an offer to buy it and they said no. And then six months later, they're out of business, you know. Oh so, no. And then I started franchises and started doing that. And then we had about, now the first franchise was a hospital. And we got the patients so much better. The hospital staff was two hours outside of Kansas City, small town. The doctors revolted and said, you know, they're 
doing medieval medicine. So the CEO calls me, he goes, you got to come down here and calm these people down. They say, you're not doing real medicine. And so I go down and say, okay, I'm going to show them we're evidence-based and they're not. Bad move. <laughs> you know? So I went there and, and gave the talk and like rheumatologist stands up and leaves within 30 seconds. I'm not listening to this crap. And they go, you're going to talk to the chief of staff. He's so mad. So I go talk to him and he says, my wife has been sick for 15 years. I've sent, sent her to every one of these yahoos. And in two visits, she's 90% better. So don't worry, I'll deal with the doctors. I'm like, no, you won't. They're basically never going to accept it. So I said, just say we're gone, change the name. No one will know. But they found that out. He tried to tell them the truth. And I'm like, it was just jealousy. Like the endocrinologist there got like 37 calls about reverse T3 the first week and you know, just really made him mad. He goes, you know, they think they're better than us type thing. And so we had a point there. But it turns out with the franchises is that I don't want to run another doctor's practice. It just drove me crazy. So we had like nine franchise, 11 and then nine. And then we just kind of sold those off. So now we just have our core center which is nice. There's enough drama to go around for that. And then we even shut down our San Francisco office. And then we just have one franchise. We just, they, they're no problem. So anyways, I got, got out of that business and then was doing fine. Felt I was hundred percent, but I wasn't, you know, you don't know, you don't know what normal is. Like I mentioned, you know, growing up, like one pupil was always bigger than the other. Then I went through a stressful divorce and I give talks on where we've really become an immune modulation clinic is that, oh my God, I just got hit by a bus, went into heart failure, could not walk up a flight of stairs. And the cardiologist says, well, maybe in 10 years, you'll get 10% better. I'm like, I can't deal with this. I mean, I couldn't stand up. How and, long ago was this? Uh, was this eight years ago, something okay. like that. And then I'm like, I got to figure this out, you know? And we were treating more chronic fatigue syndrome because we didn't even really know about Lyme, but I knew it was Lyme and but be sweating just like crazy. But my blood was so thick, you couldn't take it out. It was even with this, you know, giant catheter. It was That's so how mine is. <laughs> yeah. So it's immune activation, coagulation, especially with Babesia, heparins, you know, this is a mainstay. So went around the world, then I ended up doing a lot of crazy stuff, but a lot of stuff worked. There's a lot of things that work. Peptide stem cells also help exosomes. Reversed my heart failure in about 90% better in about a year, in about a year and a half, totally normal. And you go back to the cardiologist and he's like, that's interesting. Um, okay. Like, don't you, you think you did? What would you do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but we see that all the time and we're still having kind of on and off symptoms. And oh, I did in the, like during that time, we were into the big, just, massive doses of antibiotics and I was doing seven antibiotics at a time at, at doses I would never give a patient because of the risk. No better, you know, three and a half years. So I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And, and, you know, went around, found the peptides and I'm like, damn, I'm feeling pretty good. So really started incorporating those into the clinic and we have found that, you know, we use antibiotics and, and we'll use anything that works, but they really become the core. And because normally what happens is as you get infected, especially with Lyme, 
once you infect it, so there's two sides of the immune system. Th1 gets stuff inside the cell. Th2 gets stuff outside the cell. And this is really Th1 and Treg, and this is Th2, Th17. Now, they used to think Th1 caused a lot of autoimmunity. If you look online, like Th1 autoimmunity, like Hashimoto's, no. Like, why did they respond to the same treatment, you know, and, but it was TH17. They looked like TH1, just kind of a side note. But so we, we would check like natural killer cells. So the lime suppresses TH1, which, which gets stuff inside the cell, and then it goes inside the cell. So now your body can't fight it. But what it does is TH2 goes high. Now you have all this inflammation, you know, all this pain, flu-like, fatigue, brain fog, all these things hypothalamic pituitary inflammation, which causes low thyroid, by the way. Every Lyme patient is low thyroid. You know, there's probably a couple that have graves, but other than that, they're all low, even though their TSH is normal. They're all low adrenal, they're all low growth hormone, they're all low everything because doctors base their diagnosis on assuming the hypothalamic pituitary access is intact. It is not you know, by definition. So all the patients need multi-hormone treatment. You got mitochondrial dysfunction, gastrointestinal, the gut-brain access is huge. Sleep, brain, where you're inducing inflammation, toxins, neurotoxins, mold, coagulation, immune activation of the coagulation. So what happens is the immune system causes not a blood clot, but it causes the body to lay down fibrin on the vessels. So what it does is now it tries to wall off the infection, which is good in the short term, but now hormones can't get through, waste products can't get out, and oxygen that usually takes two seconds to get in the cell now takes up to two minutes. And you can do a little parlor trick, and well, sometimes we'll do this, but it kind of depends, not perfect, because it kind of depends on a person's, basically their willingness to have effort, but you put a pulse ox on, and let's say the pulse ox is 98. Now, you have them blow out all their air and then hold their breath. So in a normal person, basically the blood, so the oxygen, you know, goes from the lungs into the blood and it goes, you know, into the arteries and then into the capillaries, into the cell. So it drops. But with chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, Lyme patients, it doesn't. It's not getting into the tissues. So what happens is their SATs will barely go down. But a normal person's will drop and like the sats don't go down. People go, oh, that's great. No, your cells are basically anaerobic. They're not getting enough oxygen. So again, it's not a, a perfect test, but it, it kind of shows. We found, and studies show about 80% of people with Lyme, chronic fatigue syndrome have that. And uh, Babesia is probably the biggest culprit. Yeah. Interesting. And so if someone came to you, how do you immediately like test them? Is that the only test that you would give or do you give other tests to determine if this is what's going on? We do. I like getting a ton of tests, you know, upfront and we can get most requests where their insurance is covered, but we can pick out like the phlebotomists hate us. So we'll do, we'll fill out the whole thing, 35 tests, right? So they either think we're a great doctor or just a horrible doctor. And I went in myself once and they're like, oh, this is that doctor that orders all these things. I'm like, oh yeah, what do you think of it? You know, it's funny. But <laughs> well, of course they screwed them up anyways. And you want to paint a picture. And I think part of our job as a physician is to demonstrate to the patient, like I can tell you what your labs are going to look like, 
right? And you're gonna have low natural killer cell function, you're gonna have high TH2, human transferring growth factor beta, C4A, you're gonna have coagulopathy. And like studies show with chronic fatigue syndrome, 25% have low natural killer cell number, 80% low natural killer cell function. So the natural killer cells are there, but they're not working. And that is what kills intracellular infections and also cancer. So we can pick someone out just looking at their blood test, no history, not meeting the person, and how severe, probably 70, 80% of the time. And it's interesting, when you look at the big panel, it, the autistic kids look just about exactly the same, post-traumatic stress, all those things. And I do want to mention stress. And one big problem with the diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia has done such a disservice. So fibromyalgia is basically a dog, you know, pressing on these tender points. There's nothing special about those tender points. Nothing. How do you diagnose? Are you, do you have pain all over? There, there you go. And you got rheumatologists spending 20 minutes with this dolometer, you know, it's, it's nuts. But with the new criteria, it's basically based on post-exertional fatigue. If you exercise or get stressed, you feel worse, especially along with sleep disorder, or the more strange the symptoms, especially like neurologic, like brain fog, shooting pains, it's Lyme until proven otherwise. And mm-hmm. especially you have migrating joint pain, nothing else does that, you know? So, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we'll evaluate, we're, you know, multi-system treatment, you gotta fix so many things. We often go with the gut first, and that's where peptides have become a core of our treatment. Do we other things? Of course. They're all low thyroid, but they need T3 with uh, adrenals and something, you know, growth hormone, mitochondria. Mitochondria is huge. I mean, they all have low mitochondria. And so we'll check people's basal metabolic rate, which measures the amount of calories they burn over 24 hours, but does it in like 10 minutes and then extrapolates. On average, they're about 25% lower. So 500, 600 calories less. Mitochondria aren't working. So there's a number of peptides that directly boost mitochondrial function. I mean, you can do all these, you know, CoQ10 and PQQ and NAD. I mean, I like those things, but we have things like 5-amino-1-MQ. And we're also finding like turnaround of people with OCD, with depression, like within two days, they're like, oh my gosh, or all their muscle pain goes away. Or they're like, oh my God, I feel good. I was able to sleep. Sleep is huge because of, you know, the hypothalamus gets inflamed, which is where the sleep center is. So mm-hmm. you're awake all night. Very- what do you suggest for people to sleep? What, what are your suggestions? Really, uh, our favorite cocktail is Delta Sleep Inducing Peptide, Epitalian, and then either Growth Hormone, AOD, which is a fragment of growth hormone, or like CJC, Ipamorelin, which boosts your own growth hormone. Combine those three. Like Delta Sleep's not a sleeping pill. You don't get sleepy. and lowers the inflammation of the hypothalamus. And that's what you really want. And it also, so when I gave this last weekend a talk on how peptides can fix your thyroid without giving thyroid, although I, I always give you know, or almost always give T3 to boost kind of like a cast until you fix everything else. That's the key. And it gets a little complicated, but 
all the people with any chronic inflammation, chronic illness, their pituitary is very different than everywhere else in the body. It sees more thyroid when you're sick while the rest of the body sees less. So that TSH drops, right? And so the doctor's like, your thyroid's fine while your body's starving for thyroid. Mm-hmm. And so we, I published, I don't know, five review articles, major journals with 400 references showing the way that we are diagnosed and treating hypothyroidism in this country is wrong. Some people need T3. Uh, a lot of people, oh my gosh, feel so much better. Other things, you know, with IVs, a levozone, and we'll talk about SOT, but we'll also the peptides really boost the stem cell function. And like thymosin beta-4 will run in a big dose. And while people on fentanyl go, my pain's gone. What the heck, you know? And they're trying to be so safe. You know, not, nothing works for everyone. But in the matter is also timing. And sometimes you do, you try, you know, product A doesn't work. Then you try product B doesn't work. Product C doesn't work. Do them together, it works, you know? And it's also timing. Something mm-hmm. didn't work in the beginning. It matters where, where you are. You know, mitochondrial boosters are big. The immune modulators, though. Yeah, I think you're on, you know, thymus and alpha-1. So there's different ones that what you want to do, because you're all these Lyme patients are like this. They can't fight the infection. It doesn't matter how much antibiotics you give, because they'll never kill all the infection your body has to take over. But if your immune system's so low, then you can't give enough antibiotics. And I remember when I was in the hospital with, with sepsis, I go in, I remember the nurses sitting outside, I could hear them, they're like, this is an AIDS patient who keeps turning up negative. And the infectious disease doctors come in, they know, and they're like, listen, we are not treating your chronic, we'll get you through this, you know, but we're not even talking about the other. I said, I said, okay, I don't have Lyme. Tell me what I have. No, 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 we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things. If you have a you know, chronic infection, don't go see infectious disease doctor. If you have hormone problems, don't go see an OB or an endocrinologist. They're just diabetics and OBs generally are surgeons. They take parts out and usually you can prevent that. But we found once you fix that immune system, then things start working. Especially also like we find that some people do IVs, nothing, nothing, nothing. Then you give them heparin, which cleans up that gunk, so stuff can now get in, and everything starts working. Mm-hmm. You know? So, but to list everything we do, like every person is very, very different, and we have like weird treatments. Like, oh, let's, let's you know, let's do this. I'm very ADD, and I want people to get better fast, so I'll tend to do a lot of things at once, which is it's good and bad. I mean, I think you know some people go or drives me crazy is, okay, take these antibiotics for a year and then call me, you know? Right. You want like, I give a doctor like two months. If I'm not feeling better, even a little better in two months, I'm like, I'm on to the next doctor. Like, this is crazy. I I have to be able to feel a little better somewhat, like not more negative. Like, oh, you're herxing. (laughs) No, I just want to feel a little better. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago was like, oh, you feel worse. Good. That's good. You know, no, no, no. No, I need to feel better uh, a little bit. Yeah, and we've had good luck with stem cells and exosomes. SOT's probably been one of the biggest. Can you tell me more about that? I'm really interested about that. It's called antisense therapy, and it's used mostly for cancer. 
And how it works is basically whether it's a cancer cell or a chronic infection. So they need to basically tell the cells what to do to divide. So what happens if they're going to divide, they open up their DNA, a piece of RNA comes by and transcribes that, then goes over to the ribosome, and then will tell the body what to do. So what they do is they give you, they'll check your DNA and they'll find the gene that is needed for replication in that organism or in that cell that's not in your body. So you, know, you could give a complementary piece of RNA that sticks there or blocks it, but it's basically will get broken down. So it's a stabilized version. So it's around about three, four months. So it's just sitting there and every time it tries to replicate, it stops it. So there's not a lot of die off. You can get a little bit like anything that's an active replication. Some people get die off, but it's not nearly as bad. And when I thought I was good, I'm like, I don't think I have any more. I did it. And I'm like, damn, I remember what die off. It was like a very mini version. And it's interesting. Everyone gets like, or a lot of people, I should say, get sore quadriceps. It is strange. But I was happy. I'm like, I just know I'm going to feel better. And then I'm like, getting out of bed. Like I never got out of bed. It always took me like a couple hours to get out of bed. I thought it was just normal. And I'm like, is this what normal people do? <laughs> like, they and how just, quickly just, was that after doing the treatment? A couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. And then now I turned out what a couple ways to do it. You send in your blood and they'll do what's basically called the prime spot. So they'll measure with PCR what your highest issue is and what your lowest. And a lot of people are coming up positive for HSV-1. And I'm like, I don't know if I believe that, but HSV-1 loves the brain. And these herpes viruses, for instance, in my thyroid lecture, the Lancet, huge you know, worldwide journal, did thyroid biopsies, people with Hashimoto's, and they found 80% had active HHV-6 but if you test it in the blood, it wasn't active. So you get a lot of these infections. So we find a lot of that you want to do. Sometimes if that's the highest, you'll do that first. And then about three weeks later, you do the second thing. And I would say 80% of people respond significantly. Like I feel better. And about 30% are just like, hey, I'm that's it, you know. So how many patients do you see that are mostly Lyme or is it more cancer? My thought on cancer is, I, I try to refer that because if you don't just do cancer, I don't want to miss something, you know, or some little pearl that I saw at a conference because I don't go to a ton of cancer conferences. If someone were to call you that doesn't live in Los Angeles and says, I was just diagnosed with Lyme, what would you suggest that they would do given if they're across the country they don't have access to your treatments. Yeah, that is the time I would do high-dose antibiotics. And I would probably do four at a time. So the standard is to give, if you look at the Infectious Society of America, it's a four-letter word, but basically you can save yourself years and years of misery by treating this. Plus there's Lyme, plus there's a... 70 something percent had multiple infections. So you got to make sure mm -hmm. those people just get doxycycline, 80 percent relapse. And the problem with oh, really? the relapse is 
usually years later. And they start with, you know, I got some gut issues. I got some new migraines. I got this weird joint pain. And they end up, oh, and I got autoimmune disease now. And they end up with, you know, 30 diagnoses. And it's from their line that wasn't treated. And it's, it's a crime to give doxycycline for two to four weeks. It drives it into the, into the cells. It drives it mm-hmm. into the around body. So what other one do you give in addition to that? You know, it, it depends on where they are or what. And, you know, I like, you know, basically a cephalosporin, a macrolide, like, you know, like, let's say Rosev, I'll do IV for a bit. A macrolide like Zithra, although it's hard to get that covered. So uh, these are what do clarithromycin, I like that, Alinea, Rifampin, I probably add in there, mm-hmm. Babesia, Bartonella, but there's so many things. So that's one time. I mean, I'm pretty aggressive with a lot of things, but generally not with antibiotics for long term. Like I don't stick with antibiotics for over and over and over, but that's when it's really worth bang for your buck to do it and save people. Also, you know, with pregnancy to make sure the baby doesn't get it, we'll do sometimes some higher to say, but also fixing the immune system right off the bat because mm-hmm. already, and you know, they say, oh, the tick needs to be attached for three to seven days. No, it, as long as it's it, broke the skin, it's like my philosophy. Oh, and that teach one. So you want to do the peptides that modulate the immune system. And so we really saw this, coming with the FDA, you know, they've been wanting to shut down compounding pharmacies and then a company pharmacy that was supplying most of the country, they weren't doing some up on up things and they got shut down. So really hindered getting peptides, but there's also a bigger issue where the FDA with compounding, they want to stop Remember, like years of estriol, like who's been harmed by estriol? No one. And I did reviews showing how it's safer and all these things. But so there's a list now that says, this is what you can't compound. The other stuff, whatever you do, as long as it's safe and a doctor's order. Now with their, all their wisdom, they're saying, we're going to tell you what you can compound. There's going to be a list. We're going to go through every substance. So you have like doctors like Dr. Anderson and think, are you okay? We need this out of, I don't know how they've gone through, 1800, they've approved eight. About 75% of those, basically, they won't even listen to the argument. They go, no, we don't, we don't need that. And then if they don't like it, even though there's tons of studies, this is what they're going to do with hormones, is say it's difficult to compound. You know, they're going to say with hormones, what if you're off a little bit or thyroid, they're going to say that too. Well, difficult to compound for whom? Right. We test everything, but I worry that they're going to win this time and it's going to mm-hmm. kill all the compounding pharmacies, all the integrative doctors and the patients. And no one is doing anything because they're just kind of doing it behind the scenes. And people are saying, Oh, it'll take years. Like all of a sudden one day you're not going to get it. So what we've done is I know it's going to cost this much, but it costs about half a million dollars talk with FDA attorneys. We've got this giant dream team of FDA attorneys talking with the like, head of enforcement of supplements of the FDA, able to make some key peptides as supplements that are orally bioavailable, but 
that's currently out of the reach of, of the FDA. So, you know, we have uh, thymus and beta-4, FRAG, because TB4 won't absorb orally, it's too big. But actually, TB4 FRAG, has, it has multi-domains. TB4, if you think about it, so TH1 raises, thymus and alpha-1 raises TH1, thymus and beta-4 kind of modulates both. And then BPC kind of lowers TH2 and provides a ton of healing. So that's kind of what we, we start with. And the studies show also that orally is equal potent for systemic illness as injectable. Although some people prefer, like let's say they have MS, some would prefer the caps, other people prefer the injections, you know, but they work as well. So we have thymus and beta for a frag, which has all the effects of TB4, but we took out the part that stimulates mast cells. That's the part. I still get massive hives. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I have mast cells. You definitely do. It's just so common. And then, so we're coming out with a lot of new parts. We have cerebralicin, which you can't get anymore orally, which is shown to work with studies, changing EEG. So I don't know if you know cerebralicin. It's brain peptides. It's used for Alzheimer's and memory, lowers brain inflammation, increases brain necessary factors. What's so that called again? Cerebralicin. Okay. And that one is a licensed product. So it's exactly, you know, we know that you're not just getting some uh, whatever, but we, and part of the whole deal in order to do this, we have to test it much, much more than a compounding pharmacy or anything like that. And we're coming with a lot of cool, unique products like KPV. I don't know if you've heard of that, but the melanocortin, so alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone is so anti-inflammatory and the problem is people don't use a lot of it because it's like melanotan. Have you heard of that? Where it basically lowers your inflammation, causes weight loss, and makes you tan and increases libido. So it's like, hey, I'll take miracle it. miracle drug. <laughs> but it, I took it and it wasn't working and I'm, you know, I'm patient and all of a sudden I just turned so dark. It was just, you can, you can certainly do it. There's PT-141 which is for erectile dysfunction, works 100% of the time. I mean, people have failed Viagra and Cialis, which is very common with, with Lyme, sexual dysfunction. And one, you feel terrible, but you also have autonomic dysfunction, mast cell problems, you know, so interstitial cystitis, that inability to start a stream and urination and pain and cramp. But it is there, it's one of the strongest mast cell inhibitors. And it's actually also in the gut. So we've come out with that. Delta Sleep also is probably one of the best anti-inflammatories. Like we had one person come in, student IV. She had seizures for years and years from basically brain infection, right? And it's on all these you know, anti-seizure medications. And if she has any treatment at all, like any little vitamin C, she starts having a seizure. So we loaded up with Delta sleep-inducing peptide, BPC, TB4, no seizures. So really the key is, is to, you want to lower that inflammation and like, you know, the gut-brain access being so important where, you know, the gut controls the brain and so many people have leaky gut. If you have leaky gut, you have leaky brain. And that's where they're finding where with the leaky brain is a lot of people will have HSV-1 in their oral cavity, and it allows it to go up the olfactory nerves through the blood-brain barrier into the brain. 
And, you know, McDonald, head of Harvard Brain Bank, biopsied all the Alzheimer's patients, 100% had Lyme. Are you serious? 100%. He wasn't allowed to publish it because he said it will cause too much panic. And they're often basically associated also with HSV-1 and then also nematodes. So sometimes they're inside the nematodes, kind of creepy, right? And also with like the CJC, the uh, Jakob Kruzevelt disease, has a lot to do with that HSV-1 causing the misfolding and Lyme. And probably way too complicated here, but I don't know if you heard of bacteriophages, but bacteriophages are basically viruses that are very specific for bacteria. And those basically were discovered pretty much the same time by the same guy who discovered penicillin. And he goes, oh, I like penicillin better, you know, so we came that to the bacteriophages. But the nice thing with bacteriophages is they're very specific and they don't hurt any of the other bacteria and or human cells are just very specific for that. But it's interesting that Lyme doesn't have one. It has one, but what it does, it, instead of killing it, it inserts itself in the DNA of Lyme and changes the behavior. And it will also increase its virulence, which then that virulence can be transferred to other mm-hmm. bacteria. So it, it's a bad gig. So they found that kind of those three things probably cause all these plaques in Alzheimer's. You know, we found 100%. Uh, mm-hmm. We find it with ALS, Parkinson's, that, and that's like your friend was saying, I forget it was before we, we, we got on, but almost everything's infectious. Uh, mm-hmm. Autoimmune disease. I've not seen an autoimmune disease that isn't driven by a chronic infection. It's crazy. It's kind of scary, but thank you. This has been amazing. There's a lot to take in. I think peptide sounds like it's very promising, and and so is the SOT. With the peptides too, we have like you know antimicrobial peptides, the LL37, which shown to kill the Lyme uh, spore, the round body, better than tinidazole, but you don't have the side effects. You've got just more and more coming out, and they can't find a toxic dose. And a right. lot of we give like a thousand times a dose. And no side effects. Try that with Tylenol. Actually, try that with water. You're going to die if you drink that much. That's what's nice is the safe there. But, you know, since it's helping so many people and becoming popular and so safe, the FDA wants to ban it. That's pretty much how it works. I know. It's unfortunate. So anybody else wants to hear more from Dr. Halteroff, he'll be speaking at the ILADS convention, which I assume is going to be online. I'm not sure if it's available to everybody. Well, I'd rather talk online because I almost backed out because it's on COVID, which this is just a whole crazy thing. I don't want the black helicopters coming around, but it's, it's nuts. To be honest, we have way more medications that right now that will keep people from dying in the hospital. Was ever I say it's my just opinion? It's uh, you know, <laughs> trust me, they come after people. Then they're not doing any of these things, and you can prevent it tremendously. And the studies show that, and stop it from progressing. And it's become so political and financial. Just start reading and opening your eyes is what I tell people. And which, unfortunately, medicine is becoming more and more like that you know and it's just it's sad and it makes me mad i go okay can't get mad because what is that going to help it's 
you know, that it's very sad. And people get so misinformed because their doctor tells them, oh, this is, this is crazy. Usually the less a doctor knows, the more adamant they're right. And patients also, they like to be told what to do and they're scared to take control of their own health. And mm-hmm. that's what you're here for is to, to be comfortable with, hey, investigate, you know? And, or it's like if a doctor, you know, ask them a ton of questions, go, go on Google, find everything. There's great information. There's misinformation. I tell patients, just search the heck out of it. We'll talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. And if a doctor tells you not to do that, run, because they right. can't support their treatments or know much about the illness. But it's a tough time anyways. This has I been excellent. Hours. <laughs> I know, and I could talk to you for hours because I love learning everything that's going on and, and ways to heal people because it's just heartbreaking hearing people's stories and feeling alone and there's not a solution. And for them to keep taking things away and not even providing a solution, it was hard. It's one thing if they say, oh, we have a solution and you can't do the other stuff, but there isn't one. So it, it yeah. just... Now their solution is it's not real. Right. I don't have to worry about because it it's fake. That's in your head. Yeah. Well, good luck to you. Thank you. I will definitely come and visit you when I'm back in Los Angeles after. Yeah, come see um, I will. I will. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on and I'm so happy you are here. Subscribe now and tune in next week. You can also join our community at Lime360 Warriors on Facebook and let's heal together. Thank you.